Glad to have you back. I'm Darren, joined, of course, as usual, with John, the semi-bearded, and Gene, the one we all aspire to be. So the patriarch. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we were just saying we've got to put in the budget for Gene's beard care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe have some crew on hand that can come and take care of that yeah. prep. I just came out of the green room. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> getting getting my makeup what, what my makeup that? done <laughs> the green room uh. isn't that what they call it yeah that's true yeah where they get prepped for We're like gonna, a show yeah but our green room was that slash uh you know i think that's your kitchen <laughs> that's right <laughs> that is that's my right. kitchen uh all right guys so uh how's everyone doing this week we've got for us anyway who are in um the northeast we've got spring just around the corner so we're starting to see some yeah greenery on the trees which kind of gives us some hope um for me anyway i've been happy because i've been watching some phillies games oh. and uh a hmm. couple preseason games wow. are you know in the can so it's just nice to watch da- those because they're down there in florida and it's nice and it's green, you know, the, the field's nice and green and the, um, you know, the sky's blue and, and people there in shorts and that sounds good. But I'm, I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm not there like, yet either. I, I'm ready, but I'm not ready. Cause yeah. I've got these, you know, things planned in my life. Mm. And I think I, I was telling you about this before. Mm. I had these trees that were supposed to these fruit trees are supposed to show up in the spring. Right. And they showed up last week. Like wow. it's not spring yet, <laughs> so when the sh- trees show up, right? I'm, I need to get them in the ground. So that's what I've been working mm-hmm. on. John, we just had a, our windows replaced in our house, so yeah, we, okay. Uh, you plug for Precision Exteriors, okay? Uh, but solid job, knocked it out in like half a day, from like seven to I think about three. All right, done. so All right. that that's been our big project, and now getting ready for spring. Already starting to see the grass starting to grow in certain areas, and being like, yeah, yeah I got to start. Yeah. Thinking ahead and stockpiling my gas now for mm. mowers. Well, hey, you know, I was, um, you know, at Aldi today doing, you know, a little domestic work there. There's nothing wrong with that. Groceries or yeah, something. Yeah, doing some gross- some provisioning. I prefer to call it provisioning. Okay. Hunting and gathering. Hunting, hunt- <laughs> uh, I guess. Yeah. You know, I usually use a bow or a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not season, so... Instead of a shopping cart. It is. uh, Okay. (laughs) How'd that go this year? (laughs) It went all right. I got a couple. Um, So uh, when you start growing, getting chickens, raising chickens, then go out and shoot me an egg. Yeah, So that's that's not going to happen. But speaking of eggs, um, it's something that the stages you get to in life where you're like, oh, wow, um, eggs are 282. A dozen, and you're like, score, score, score. Yeah, the when eggs. you think that's good, yeah. Like I got excited when gasoline was three oh five. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Eggs, you know, you know. but but I, I was happy about that. Um, yeah, spring coming up, lots of stuff going on. Everybody's busy. 
Uh, we're busy here, of course, getting things and materials together for everyone out there to uh, to build them up and and uh, bring them along. And so there are a couple things that we want to talk about related to that. A couple of big things that were happening. Mm. Um, one that pertains to us because we're the Baptists, and mm. uh, right now, John's anyway, not sure if he is. But well, that's how I identify right now. <laughs> And just okay. for anyone out there who happens to be a well-bearded and Baptist, <laughs> just know that this seat might become available at some point because yeah. it can't be the two Baptists and the Presby. So I'm just saying. I just want to put the, that the, out there. Yeah, the clean, the clean-shaven Presby on. What's the up with that? Baptists. What's going on? I had a well, little irritation on my face, and so anything. it had to clear it up a little bit. So I had to. Do a not quite a reset, but I had to scale it back a little bit. It's healing, and my face yeah, grows fast. That's yeah, but that's the thing. You, you get to that point, and it's always I gotta reset, dude. I gotta reset. I can't. <laughs> I, I am a military brat, so there's just some. There's a level where I'm just like, I can't, oh, I come can't, on, all right, come on. Time you to just, t- time to break them chains, right? I know you do. Yeah. You, do you get that stage tough. where it it's kind of itchy, and you're kind of like, uh, you just got to go through. You just got to push. So, um, anyway, big news in the in. <clears throat> Right now, as of this broadcast, we're still part of the SBC. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows how long that's going to last? Who's but, we? What uh, do you mean? By well, we, we are our, the churches oh, that we church to attend. are 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 affiliated. Cooperate. Yeah. Okay. I love yeah. all this terminology. Mm-hmm. Right. We 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 cooperate with the SBC because we're not part of them. Right. Because. Because it's not a denomination. It's not a denomination. Yeah. So, as of right now, we cooperate with the SBC. Um, lots of ups and downs past few years. Um, well, just about always. But the biggest thing, um, probably, uh, John and I were both at the 2020 convention, which was a was a pretty big one because um, it was the one that was following the whole uh crt mess that happened in the previous convention Mm -hmm. so that was actually it was 2021 because they didn't have the 2020 if you remember is that what it was or was it so 2019 right because 2020 resolution nine yes then they didn't meet then they didn't have it yeah and then 2021 where you and i are down in nashville yes and sitting on the floor and getting to see all the fun stuff that happens for a lot of it, some of it, I was like over in a side room in a seat in a comfortable recliner listening to it because I wasn't going to sit on the floor. Um, I was trying to be there for the most important things. But of course, we remember um, 2021 comes 2022. At that convention mm-hmm. was when Rick Warren got up yes this past year the past year and gave his curriculum vitae if you will um of the million pastors that has been trained through saddleback um, fourth generation baptist yeah yep yeah just you know this was almost like like he was um you know maximus decimus meridius standing there before the thing saying you know Here's my moment, my gladiator moment here for, for Rick Warren, um, all in a defensive Saddleback Church, which has been out of the, co- well, they're still in the cooperation at this time, or at that time, but they were taking and making moves that went against 
policies of the SBC, namely having women in positions of authority there with the title of pastor. Correct. Um, now, of course, he wasn't the only one, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. You know, because we don't want to like just slam. No, Rick. it wasn't just wasn't Saddleback. One. No. One of the things that came out during COVID uh, was that a number of churches that had received uh, SBC funds, church planting funds, had switched had switched to a egalitarian model, yeah. uh, meaning that they allowed for both male and female head pastors or teaching pastors. Um, and Saddleback was kind of leading this charge. That I think this past year they ordained three, mm. which stands in opposition to the Baptist the Bible, the Bible, oh. but, <laughs> also, but also, wow, uh, yeah, the, the BFM, which is kind of a systematic theology that the all Baptists kind of work through. These are our beliefs. Is it? It's supposed to be in theory. Not as not as is strong it? as the 1689, but it's designed to give you a framework. And in that, they specifically limit the office of pastor, elder to men. Correct. So Rick is up there and he's defending his position, um, which the whole time I'm just thinking. You like, are babbling incoherently, sir. That's all I can picture is going on in my mind here. Um, as he's giving off, you know, all these incredible things. I mean, it's like the world owed Saddleback Church this great debt of gratitude. Mm. But anyway, all those things to what? To say how much influence this church has done, the great ministry this church has done, um, yet being in violation of these agreements, these standards. So what was he trying to say since I don't really have the – I mean, that – well, I uh, think he was just trying to should change or that he was just kind of talking them? about the accomplishments that he has seen or that the Lord had granted him to be a part of. Uh, it was very, it was a, from my perspective, it was a very pragmatic argumentation. Well, that to, fits then. Yeah. SBC loves that <laughs> to, to argue guys, what, what do you care how we, kind of structure or, or carry out our church if we have the numbers look at the people that have come to saving faith yeah, look yeah, at yeah. look at the people that we sent out to plan the ends so. justify the means correct and Are that's something really, that the sbc yeah. loves right i mean in reality it's really big about numbers mm-hmm. so yeah, a seat a seat a filled seat a filled that is seat following the like non-biblical doctrine right what i mean what is well, that right is that I mean, I tell you, there's a lot, there's, there's more people that follow Benny Hinn, mm-hmm. right? And, and folks like that, than than these main, so if you, if it's about numbers, well, then, you know, there's a lot of false teachers out there that have better, that have bigger numbers. Right. So right. <laughs> you gotta be really careful. That's not a good metric, right? Is that, That's, is that the metric? I think that to maybe to. Warren, it is the metric. Mm. So, 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 so the news comes out a couple of weeks ago that Saddleback Church has been removed from the cooperation of the SBC, along with several other churches. There, was like there a were half six, dozen. There were six, including six Saddleback, churches. six churches. All were um, found to not be in good cooperation with the SBC because mm. they had. Uh, women pastors. Mm. Uh, so that, that was, that was, it was all based on that. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's pretty big. That, that I, I mean, I gotta be honest. I did not see it coming. I did not think given the, 
I don't know, liberal tendencies lately of a lot of the SBC presidents. Um, I did not see. So you thought we were coming out with BFM 2020 that modified it and yeah. added women? Yeah, or something. <laughs> More I likely mean, than, than you that. Know, it just seems like there's really a blind eye that's being, that has been, you know, toward many of these things because there was things that came up about the IMB, mm-hmm. you know, planning churches that were co-pastoring. The husband and wife were like co-pastoring. And it's like, well, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we're from the very get-go planning churches with that, you know, it's one mm-hmm. thing if a church has been around and then all of a sudden, you know, the pastor decides to call his wife pastor and you're like, and the SBC maybe doesn't know that that's you a see little a lot bit of understandable. That like charismatic churches. Yes. Right. You see a lot of this husband and wife. Oh yeah. 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 Well, they all have to have a title. It's usually apostle and first you know, lady. Yeah. Prophetess. And yeah, but I mean, we're talking about the SBC. So mm-hmm. I honestly, I was, I was surprised that they made that move given yeah, the size of Saddleback. I mean, let's face it, you know, numbers and, and you know, power, so to speak, influence um, has a lot of weight. So and kudos, right? I think, it's, I think it was a big thing. I think it was finally something that gives maybe a little glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really feeling kind of a little hopeless about the SBC. Um, I mean, to have Ed Litton, who known plagiarism Mm -hmm. okay not and not just like oops i took a paragraph this is i took entire sermons including personal illustrations right i mean verbatim you could play jd greer right next to ed Litton, and it was the same sermon so but nothing was done about that um that was overlooked so i didn't feel that this unless it got really out of hand because you still have a lot of, I mean, Warren has a lot of supporters in the SBC. You think of Dwight McKissick mm-hmm. has always been very vocal about um, women pastors and, 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 you know, an egalitarian style of, um, you know, leadership in, in the church. Um, there hasn't now I'm to my knowledge, his church doesn't practice that. Um, that I know of. So, but so, so where do we want to go with this? Like, I mean, do we want to talk about this women in the, in, I mean, I said it was unbiblical, but do we need to um, say more I, about I, that? I mean, I don't know who, what well, was, if no, people I are think listening, maybe more, thinking like, what's wrong with that? I think we'll probably get into that. Maybe that's, that's for a future episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause we are talking about the feminization. We're, we're going into part mm-hmm. two, of feminization well, of the women church. Women pastors, that's a big one. That, that's pretty big. <laughs> that's pretty feminine. That's pretty feminine. So, you know, maybe that'll roll into the yeah. next one. But I just want to, you know, talking about that and just kind of like discussing how the SBC actually looks yeah, like I they was, may have made the right move. I was very shocked that it happened. I mean, I think I texted you as soon as I found out that morning. Yeah, you did. I think uh, that's might have been how I found out to begin with. Because uh, I, so. I was scrolling on Twitter and Bart Barber, who's now the current uh, president of the SBC, and a few others had... Um, posted some stories about Saddleback being uh, not in good cooperation. And I was frankly shocked um, because I just felt like 
they had just kind of the SBC as an organization had just kind of moved beyond that. Yeah. I mean, especially now with so much talk about sexual abuse and trying to figure out uh, financial responsibility. And I figured that was like the next kind of big battle. I thought we had kind of moved past the egalitarian tendencies in some mm. of the churches. Like we were just kind of going to go, all right, well, this is an area where we just agreed to disagree and we're just going to keep plowing forward. So to see Rick Warren, especially in light of last year, right, who had this great pronouncement, um, was just frankly uh it just just kind of shocked you awake when you're watching you're like okay wow there's still there's still something uh a remnant or faithfulness going on there to kind of drive them out um still a little bit of hope still a little bit of hope because i know how strong and this is a conversation for another time how strong the kind of armenian leanings are in the sbc especially when it comes to attractional models and getting people to make decisions a lot of churches still look to rick warren as the blueprint I mean, Mr. Pragmatic, right? I mean, we can, we'll talk about pragmatism in the church and the effect that that's had on, you know, your philosophy of ecclesiology, you know, how you do church, right? If it's the end justifies the means, then by all means have the best show you can put on in the best, nicest building you can put on with, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, we, we a were mini, talk- you know, convenience store inside, so you can grab your milk bread and get your gospel and go home. Yeah, and, and Rick- about, I was just going to say what we were just talking about a little bit, little bit ago was, um, who, what's the purpose? Sunday morning, who's it for? Yeah, right. Is it for? Is it for the saints? Is it evangelism? Is it, um, you know, in, invite all the neighbors and show them the nice rock band and we'll have a charismatic speaker up there that'll, that'll, uh, you know, I don't know. Woo them? Yeah, woo them. That's right, woo them. Or, uh, um, and, and uh, yeah. Songs with, uh, you know, what is it? The colors of the morning are inside your eyes mm, as we sing. yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we sing our love songs to Jesus. That's right, the love songs, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, so. is it is it about that, or is it about, mm. you know, equipping the saints, right? The saints okay. are supposed to be the ones going out and doing the evangelism because they're being equipped. Mm-hmm. They're there gathering, they're supporting one another, they're worshiping the Lord, right? So the worship service should be about worshiping the Lord, and the, yeah. the, the, the preaching should be about equipping mm-hmm. the saints, not... At least that's my my yeah. feeling on it, right? And so if you if, if it becomes about attracting people, then, well, I mean we can attract a lot of people. I mean, look at uh look at the average rock band; they'll fill a stadium. They can attract yeah. a lot of people. Mm. You know, sec- just make it more secular, and you'll attract a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. There, there. Sadly, there's a, a frame of. Uh, frame of reference or a paradigm for a lot of churches that are, I would say are kind of like five to 10 years behind where the culture is. So I think you're starting to see the dying out of the attractional model. And there are a lot of churches asking Mm. that question, why, why do we gather? Mm. And they need to kind of decide quick. Um, because there's an urgency to the gospel, you need to be getting it to the people need to hear the saints need to be confronted and conformed into the image of Christ. Uh, Because we are heading into, I think a time of clarity where it's going to be light and dark, up is down, all the things that Isaiah talked about, good is called evil, evil is called good. Mm. And if we don't settle those questions kind of now in your gut and in your stomach, you're not going to be equipped for kind of the next hill that you're going to be called to climb and plant your flag on. Sounding a little uh, little dispensational there, John. <laughs> no, up, not, you know, 
evil's winning? Just, not at all. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> all right. I'm just checking because, like, you know. No, no. But I, I think there, for a lot of people, they are kind of thrown off. Like, what's happening? And if you never encounter the idea that, hey, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme, is the famous saying that I've heard. Um, hmm. So you are seeing certain patterns and certain behaviors. And one, it's because this is just a season that we're called into uh, to advance the gospel. All right. That kind of is going to roll into our next topic when we talk about you know you were getting into um the message and you know proclaiming the word um the idea of pragmatism and things to attract probably the next biggest thing um is everybody's talking about is the asbury revival um in, in in kentucky and um you know, is it real? Is it legit? Of course, we can't answer that. Right. We, we can't. You need time. You need time. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, look, you know, in my background, I've been a Christian since I was 15. Um, I'm 25 now, so it's just been 10 years. Yeah. So, um, you know, but no, I've, so I've been a Christian a long time. I've seen a few. I, I was in a church when the vineyard revival was going on, when Brownsville was going on, um, when, and there was one other one, unfortunately, you know, I w- there was, um, caught up in some of that and some, in seeing some of those things. I went to some of the churches where a lot of that was going on. Um, the laughing, the falling out, things like that. Uh, I don't know what fruit long-term, has come. I know there's a lot of hucksters that were involved in that. Correct. The Rodney Howard Browns, you know, the ones like that. So this Asbury doesn't seem to have taken that turn with as far as from what I've heard, um, as far as these manifestations of the spirit, mm-hmm. quote unquote spirit with people barking like dogs. Right. Mm-hmm. However, there's, you know, you, we hear reports of there being some concerning things. Um, and it's difficult to talk in, about some of this because if you mention any criticism, you can immediately be labeled as, right, uh, that you're you're stifling, correct? You know the spirit, and you, you're you're not there, so you don't know. Correct. And and of course, people are going to mm-hmm. also pull out Isaiah, where God's doing a new thing. Mm-hmm. Which again, we can do a whole episode on scripture out of context and using scripture the correct way. Correct. However, when you do hear of LGBTQ affirming people leading the worship mm-hmm. i would have to question the validity of a revival with someone knowingly letting that happen right like we wouldn't have you wouldn't have a revival and next thing you know you know your next worship leader is ricky gervais you know a known atheist and he's gonna yeah. sing you know blessed assurance we're, we're not gonna Allow that, mm-hmm. or you know, well, we're how do you discern that. whether or not it's of the Lord? Right. So, uh, I think. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think His Word kind of gives us the structure for right. 
to look for. So, how, yeah, I mean, I think if you if you stack a decision up against the word that you you know if you if you're trying to figure out where to go, what to do, you you should be looking to the word for those answers. If mm. if you're trying to assess whether or not something is a biblical move versus an unbiblical move or a biblical organization versus unbiblical, right? You stack it up against the word. Well, having uh, LGBTQ affirming um, worship leader would not be consistent with the word. So that's a big red flag as to something might not, this would not be uh, God endorsed. Yeah, because apparently there were people that said that I have a, a, a copy of um, one post that someone there put saying it was so great that there were queer members of the um, school or whatever that were leading the worship. Mm. So a week and a half ago, or are they say when you say, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm coming from a position where I don't know enough of the information, right? <clears throat> I mean, there are people that have, homosexual attraction that are Christian and not practicing. It's Mm -hmm. the sin that they, it's, it's the thorn in their side that they have to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. We all have our sins that we have to deal with. Um, so can you, can you struggle with that type of sin or have that, that as part of your, you know, a sin, sinful nature that, that aligns with that? and still be saved. And I I think that you can, right? Mm -hmm. Of course you can. Um, so I don't, I don't know how to, how to kind of assess what's going on. If it, if we've got practicing homosexuals or. Yeah. It's, it's been very hard to kind of gauge because if you go online, you believe probably a quarter of what you read online coming from the sources. Um, and like we were saying earlier, uh, true, true revivals are marked by just needing time to kind of see the fruit. Uh, read and brought in my backpack a uh, copy of Ian Murray's Revival and Revivalism, mm. which has been immensely helpful because uh, I come from a very independent, uh, old holiness background, Wesleyan, uh, where there was the wow. summer of There was the summer events where it was like there's camp meeting. Is that what the beard issue is coming from, John? <laughs> No, not at all. Okay. And then uh, in the fall, you had, quote, revival. So there was a speaker, and he was designed there to kind of get the attention. So that's where you were. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very familiar with kind of the language associated with this. Uh, but the book does a great job of kind of marking out the stages. One, it says that revival is a sovereign work of God himself. And the kind of the elements that are associated with it are an emphasis on preaching and an emphasis on prayer. You'll see those kind of poured out and then you'll see people getting saved, converted, and then a desire to commit themselves to the spiritual graces, the spiritual disciplines, wanting to be in community, wanting to be a part of a church, giving, uh, prayer, uh, doing, doing the things that show the mark of repentance. But he also gives a warning of, hey, revivals can be characterized by emotion and excesses of emotion. And then at that time, revivals are also rife with time for errors and division. Mm. Um, and if you and he takes it by looking through the first Great Awakening with guys like George Whitfield, uh, yeah, doing solid preaching, and then looking at infamously Charles Finney, a couple Ooh. hundred 
years later or a year, hundred years later or so. And just how he kind of developed this science and this scheme and that idea of the revival circuit uh, and kind of that hyper, hyper emotionalism that was a byproduct, the emotion. So it's not the emotion that's wrong. It's emotionalism. It's being kind of worked into a frenzy to make a decision. Yeah. That is, that yeah. is the negative. And that's really the fruit of Charles Finney that we're still dealing with today. And I would say even with, um, the Pentecostal influence in things like what's going on in Asbury, um, just kind of that heightened emotion, just getting caught up in singing. And the, the true test will be a few years later when we look at the lives of those that attended. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, we were going through um, <clears throat> uh, a couple weeks ago in our Sunday service, uh, we were looking at Nehemiah um, and Nehemiah 8 specifically, 8 and 9. And I thought it was kind of, interesting that we were there uh in that time while this is going on yeah and so i went back and i kind of reread that and i wrote down seven things that i saw out of this that signifies true revival signs of true revival so in 8 1 the first thing was that they were all gathered and I think this is interesting because it says anyone that could understand. Right. Right. So we're talking young yeah. to, you know, what, whatever that would be, five, six, who could understand what was being said, comprehend that to the older, older people. So you have this great age range. All right. Then you see God's word proclaimed, right? The law was read. Okay. So that's two. God's, God's word yeah, his word was proclaimed. Nothing against the worship and the singing, but I'm just saying, God's word in all these Whitfield. Yeah. So it's what you said. All preaching these. is yes. is preaching and prayer would be yes. were two big ones. Yeah. 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 Third was God's word was explained, right? So people went through and made sure you understand what's what's being said here. So right. they they had the the um, the Levites. Went we're, through, we're went through the crowd, right? and were helping. Made sure, um, you know, helping people understand. You guys have, yeah. so the people knew, right? Then you see a conviction of sin. So they they gather, they hear the word, they understand the word, and then it's oh wow, yeah, Man. they were like weeping and yeah, they like, were torn up. We messed up, yeah, <laughs> you know, we in trouble. So then you see a separation from their sin. They separate from these things. They're, 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 they're coming away from that. Then we see that there's God-centered worship. So it's very similar to what would be in a Reformed church is the call, you, know, you have a call to worship, right? Then you have, you know, many will have a time of saying maybe a, uh, something like the, uh, a creed of what we believe, you know, then a time of corporate repentance, an assurance of pardon and then worship followed by worship. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see here. Separation from sin, then God centered worship. And then I wrote resolution and commitment. When they were finished worshiping, they were, they recommitted themselves to the law and to doing those things that they should have been doing. Mm -hmm. And I think if we, if we look at that, 
that the word gives us a very clear path of revival, of true revival. It will always be accompanied with these things. Yes. And we don't see all that happening necessarily at Asbury. We didn't see this happening when I was younger at places like Vineyard, places like Brownsville. It was similar things. Things were very worship music driven. Um, so was Woodstock. I mean, <laughs> right. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, making a joke, yeah, but yeah. I'm but, not comparing yeah. the two. But my point yeah. being is you put a bunch of, you know, college age people coming together for a bunch of music. There's a bunch of emotion. There's yeah. a bunch of gathering. I mean, Woodstock wasn't revival. Right, so I'm I'm not saying that that's comparable at all, but, um, you know, it's just something to consider, right? It, it's missing. It would be missing elements if it was, you know, just yeah. a different version of music, right? But similar, other than than who was playing and singing, it's the same as uh, Lollapalooza or whatever, or or Woodstock or yeah. one of those things, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's very similar to a lot of, you know, people go to conferences, and this can be in anything, right? Like, you can go to some environmental thing and see a very compelling, emotionally compelling yeah. presentation on something that will motivate you to do something. I mean, that that's really, isn't that what commercials, and isn't that what advertising is all about, is yeah. to show us things, to motivate us to purchase something or change our behavior. It's emotional manipulation in in many ways. (laughs) It's what it is. I mean, that's what advertising is. They're trying to make you. Yeah. And that's make a spontaneous decision. That's what Charles Finney was known for in the second great awakening was kind of playing to people's emotions. He would have people that weren't 100% sure of their salvation come to the front and he would have like the, the sinner's bench or the sweating bench or whatever it was called. And he would preach directly to them on wow. and on until they made a decision, right? Mm-hmm. Until they made, and they the would right have the music, decision. the right decision. The right decision. <laughs> <laughs> and, and kind of whip them into an emotional frenzy. And you see a lot. I mean, you can just Google anything and pull up revival services and you'll see that, that almost a, abuse of the spirit to try and generate uh, interest, to try and generate mm. people to make a decision, right? Because it, it, it ties into, and I'm a firm believer that revival is and can happen. Uh, sure. I was reading Ian Murray's has another book, The Puritan Hope, and it talks about in England and Scotland when George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards were preaching, revival broke out, but it would break out because the word was proclaimed and because the pastors would go into these towns and be like, I see wickedness in front of me. I don't even know if I'm going to be effective here. And so they just labored in prayer and then God moved sovereignly and people were putting off the works of the flesh. They were putting off their sin. Like Nineveh. Like minimum, <laughs> <laughs> or like, like uh, but, Peter preaching and that. I mean, yeah, yeah, you see these big. I mean, back then, right, big significant things. And I think like there's Nineveh was what say like three words, and then the whole uh, the whole <laughs> entire city repents. <laughs> and I think we're so we're so hungry to see God move because everything around us, every every statistical. Uh, demographic or study that comes out shows that generation Z is probably the least interested uh, generation that wants anything to do with the gospel, right? Because they're all kinds of, so I think there's this, and people see the state of society kind of feeling defeated and and just want to see something, 
right? Good or true or false. Want to see something and yes and amen. I, I want to see God move. But at the same time, we have to understand Matthew 13, Jesus says the wheat and the tares will grow up together. And so you have to have time to, to see this play out, to see the, the works of repentance, to see God's spirit move and to see other churches and people and societies and towns change in light of the gospel, mm. not just confessing of the sins that are quote dictated by the culture. Cause in Asbury, there've been reports that people are repenting of racism, transphobia, homophobia, right, those right. things that yeah. white um, guilt, things like that. So it's, it's hard to judge mm. and we yeah. won't really know until and Asbury itself has a history of revivals. I mean, I think it's part in their um, history of the, the school where they go not even 20 years back. You can see like we had this in October and February. So mm. it's yeah. Well, here's here's a question then. All right, because we we, we talk about the, this idea of revival. Um, in in honor of my shirt, my semper reformanda. Revival or reformation? I think. Do we do we have these great revivals? Do we have personal reformation where we just kind of incrementally are say you know we're just always reforming always trying to refine always doing this is that the you know method that or big revival with yeah i i would say for me and again this is my personal opinion i i would say it's a mixture of two but i would say the emphasis is more on the individual reformation mm. And then seeking to be faithful in what God has called you to do, work, family, your regular attendance, participation in the local church. And then if God sovereignly pours out his spirit in your generation, awesome. If it happens through generations or three or four, you just leave that to the hands of the Lord. Yeah. You pray in, in anticipation, expectation, but you still put your hand to the plow mm. and you have to kind of till the ground expecting rain. And if you see the rain in your lifetime, that's great. If not, mm. you know, God's still good. Yes. Mm. He is. All right. So that'll take us to our second uh, half. Last episode, we got into um, feminization of the church, the modern church um, at large, you know, big church, big capital C, you know, this doesn't apply to say every church that falls into that. Um but one thing that we specifically spoke about last time was the worship, music, um, the style of music. We looked, uh, played a little game with the lyrics. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I like that. Yeah, it was good times. So I had to come up with more games. So, so this all relates, right? I mean, yes. what we were just talking about, yes. the, the, the attraction, like what are we, how are we going to attract people, emotions, stereotype but i'd say in general women are more emotional than men right um they're going to be more impacted by that they're going to you know so you what is what you see we, we might have talked about this a little bit before right women dragging their significant others uh you know into into the church because they're the ones that are attracted there it's not it's not necessarily his thing so how about looking at things? There's oh, there's the interesting quote that kind of goes around right now. Um, you heard uh, Jordan Peterson say this, and I think it's something that's very, very, you know, applies well. That 
Hard times make hard men. Hard men make mm. soft times. Soft times make soft men. And soft men make hard times. <laughs> and I think you're kind of, right, you're, it's like you're seeing this mm. right now. That's because you have, remember that. you have this generation, right? <laughs> I mean, we're looking back like, you know, our fathers and, and of you, know, you look at that generation that stormed beaches, that, you know, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korean War, right? Yeah. And th- those men, um, those people of that of that generation, you know, went through the Great Depression, right? Right. They were hardened in more ways than one, yeah. right? They were hardened yeah. through the Great Depression and then then right into World War Two. Yeah. I mean, that was you know, they're called the greatest generation. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. For a reason. I mean, yeah. they, you have the age of factories. So you have these factory workers where you're going and just grinding out eight hour day, nine hour day, whatever in a factory, you know, breathing in who yeah, knows under what. rough conditions. <laughs> right. Right. And, and now it's, so those were the hard men, right. That were answering hard times. And now they, they created soft times. And now we're seeing this generation of soft men, okay? Um, I think that soft men style is what we're looking at in the church right now. And because we are in this soft men that is now turning into hard times, that it's more difficult to get those hard men. How do you getting that generation now, getting that turn to hard men is tough in the, to get them into the church when the type of repentance is repenting for, in Asbury's case, my whiteness or my lack of, uh, you know, uh, what, mm. equality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's something, that's a soft men repentance, not a hard men so repentance. So that saying says that you're going to have to go through hard times to create the hard men, right? I think, I think we're kind of hitting it, aren't we? Yeah. It's not hard times yet. Well, depend, I guess it depends which, uh, So if we're going all the way back to depression I mean, what, times. What, what are you comparing it to, Yeah, yeah. right? Mm. We still live in pretty soft times. We complain yeah. about... A lot, but it's pretty easy. Yeah, on most most Americans, at least, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, could we got to really worse? screw it up before we get? <laughs> well, I think too, though. Okay, so do we distinguish between, say, the you know financial or business side versus the um? Not not spiritual, but our, um, you know, uh, how what would be the the private sector, the the moral the morals, things like that. Like we're fighting difficulties now. Okay. As far as we may not be in a hard time, like we have to go to the factories, hard time. Like we don't have food on the shelves, hard time, but. The church has a hard time because we're losing ground in 
areas that we had ground previous. You know, the the, the, the church is not esteemed or respected as it used going. to be. So, so spir- we're in spiritual hard times. So we're facing this wave that, of, of the LGBTQ front and this front and that front, and we're fighting that. Spiritual hard times creating spiritually hard men? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, I mean, like, serious. Like, uh, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just thinking because um, every generation it believes in the biblical promise of leaving something better for their children, whether that's a, a spiritual legacy, whether that's a financial legacy. Proverbs talks all about that, leaving yeah. something for your kids. And I think there's a generation that went through those hard times and wanted something better for the next generation, but didn't realize that the hardship is part of the refining character for that generation. And so it's like they, they sawed off the rough edges and made everything smooth. Right. Mm. But then said, go and get it. But the human heart is not designed to not face difficulty. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You need like God refines you. Your sanctification is part, part of what carries out your sanctification is the hardships of life. It's like bringing up your kids, right? I mean, you can, you spoil your children, give them everything they want make their life really easy. They don't have to work for anything. There was, they don't have that, return on you know it's not a a give and take correct there wasn't that handing of the baton of like hey this is what i did in my generation i built that i pressed the ball forward now you're going to have to take it and extend it and it's like they just instead of handing off the baton they just said hey the land here is good it's like a lot when he separates from abraham he goes hey this land is good what is what is settle here and he just gets closer and closer to sodom and gomorrah next thing you know he's in it and he thinks he's the the the, the witness for the Lord until finally they go, who are you to judge us? And I think that's where we kind of find ourselves in the church is we've said, Hey, this is a good place to stop, to settle, to maintain. And we've, we've not allowed the world to encroach. We've actually encroached on the world. Like we're in their city, but we're not, we're not discipling them. We're not evangelizing them. We're like, and then they're turning around and going, Hey, who are you to judge us? You're doing the same things that we're doing. Mm. And we're like, Oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah. So has pragmatism, the talk of that and and whatnot has that created like a soft church that kind of repels the hard men in a way well, I just or no i would say that the church again it, it fundamentally why are we gathering on the lord's day right if the gospel is a product that you need to get to as many people as you can then you're going to naturally kind of overlook men because you're like, well, who's not, who's already coming? Who's our target demographic? Who are we reaching already? Well, we're seeing women and children, right? So we'll just cater the services to them. And then the husband comes and he's like, there's nothing for me here. Like I need something tangible to do. That's why a lot of the guys show up for like your work days when you're out like serving the community or building something guys show up for that because mm. that's how they're wired. But if you're just like Saturday morning and talking about your feelings, men do men have to be doing, they have to be doing, mm. but if it's just like, Hey, come to this spot and just, you're listening to a bunch of guys talking about how hard their week was, but no one's, but it's consistent every week. No one's pushing the ball forward in their own sanctification, their own walk with the Lord saying, Hey, I'm struggling with this, but Hey, be praying that like I put that to death. And you're seeing them take tangent. But if it's the same thing over and over, a lot of guys are just like, why am I even here? Yeah. Mm. I would say this also. I would say that one thing about men in the church is, by and large, the church looks down or 
does not appreciate hard men the way it used to. And I'll give examples because in the same way that our society doesn't exactly right. We we've exactly we've emasculated men to a large extent. Um, the, you know, fight against the patriarchy and toxic masculinity, these types of words have, I think have just poured into the church. So somebody that, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm stealing what you were saying, but somebody that, that, um, a man that exhibits masculine characteristics, yes, which can be hard and rough at times. They can be a bit more aggressive, a bit more blunt, um, you know, that, that show that, that power and that, that stuff that would be typically viewed as masculine. Those men are not there. No one wants that, that, that they're too, you know, that might offend me. That's a little too (laughs) rough. I mean, can you really soften those words a little? Can you soften your approach? I mean, you've probably heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. I yeah. Mean, I understand. I'm a, you know, I'm a little blunt, right? But that that idea that you have to soften your approach to stuff and then, you know, the little boys that are the rambunctious ones. Sit down, Johnny, be quiet. You know, stop that type of play. So we're 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 te- teaching them from the time that they're little, they're little kids, little boys to yep. not be boys, not be men. That the all the characteristics that make you masculine mm. are frowned upon. Mm. That's something I was listening to an old sermon by Vody Bauckham and also something I read by Doug Wilson that speaks to that point. Oh, As Doug you, Wilson. What? He's the poster boy. You, you have, <laughs> you have, think about the, the worship service. It's designed, even schools and education are designed primarily with how females interact with their environment. They're able to focus. They're able to be still. They're able to submit to authority, respond to authority in the proper way, right? To develop the relationship. What are the boys doing? The boys are taking their chairs and stacking them on the table and building something into right. high energy and right. tapping their toes wrestling. and wrestling and looking out the window. <laughs> and yeah. we stifle that or we medicate that. Yeah. 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 I was just yeah. thinking about yeah. the medication. Yeah. I would bet statistically, I don't know the stats on this. We should look this up that those diagnosed with ADD or, or whatever mm-hmm. are, is that right? Yes. Attention deficit are, are probably primarily boys. I, I would not doubt it just because it's consistent with what, um, you know, not having the, being viewed as not having uh, a good attention span mm-hmm. is because the boys are, you know, they're looking outside, they're watching the cars drive by or the dump truck doing something, and they're more interested in that than having some conversation with the with the teacher or whatever it is, it's just, that doesn't mean that that's wrong. Correct. And so we medicate them to make them calm down, to make them focus. We just basically numb them to their environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was actually trying to look that up real quick. Okay. Um, But that was part, that's where I was going with is, you know, I think this overall kind of um, peace and love, right? In fact, I think it's yeah. kind of interesting that at this time that we're recording this, that Jesus Resol- Revolution movie Correct. is getting re- is released. Yeah, um, with all the hippies. We should do a review and, and of Chuck that. Smith. Maybe an on, on location. <laughs> we'll do an on location. Yeah. Um, but something that was peace and love and happiness and this and that, and the warrior 
aspect and mentality has been stripped from it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, David, one of our prime examples, David was someone who was in touch with, he's in touch with his emotions, right? And he danced and he laughed and he cried. But this dude slayed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like literally slayed. Giant killer. Yeah. So we've taken... And we split this and we want the emotion and we want the man who would cry, but we won't give him his sword to go out and fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same with Jesus, right? We feminize Jesus, right? I mean, we don't, we don't think about Jesus as the carpenter, probably a hardened man. Yeah. Right. He, you know, he, yep. he probably had calluses. Yeah. yeah. He was ripped. He, he was probably, yeah, he was in good shape. Um, we don't talk that much about Jesus, you know, with the flipping of the tables, right. In, yep. in the temple. Making right? a whip. Like I, I would love to have been there because his disciples, you know, here's Jesus probably sitting on a rock or something. Right. And he's just working away and his disciples, yeah, yo, Jesus, what, what are you doing? Jesus over there probably mumbling like, eh, stinking, you know, people not turning my father's house into it. You know? And the next thing you know, he just unloads. Unloads, right? Put and, that in the chosen. <laughs> and like, did no one, no one went after him. Like, these are money changers. This is like the crime bosses, if you will, the underworld of that time. And there was nobody that was going to challenge him. So... They had to be like, man, this guy, don't mess with, don't mess with this guy. You just think about him. He was challenging everything, like everything about the gospel. You know, he was, he was challenging everything. So what have we lost in, you know, invite everyone in to know that Jesus loves you and, you know, you can find peace and comfort here. Um, Yeah, that's true, but. But what about the other piece? Go out and be that conqueror, be that warrior for the gospel, right? And and that takes more than singing fancy songs and riling people up with emotion. It it, it takes it takes a different type of strength and 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 uh, masculine leadership um, to do that well and. I don't know. I mean, I, I think what you're what you're surmising here is that the you know what has gravitated into leadership in churches have may not be the most hardened mm. of men and the most masculine of men, mm. um, and maybe in leadership in general, whether it be yeah. in our government, yeah. whether it be in our companies, right? So yeah. we. we we uh, talking about God's judgment here of uh, women and women and children will be leading you. you yeah, that's a passage <laughs> from Isaiah, folks. It, right. Look, Google it, but it is it, it's a judgment yeah. from God on on Jerusalem where He says, "Listen, you will you will be led by women and children." And that's not a good thing. That's no, because right. your men aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, as we're sitting here and you're talking about the separation between really what between action and emotion. It's, it's Gnosticism, right? It's the idea that there's a separation between the spiritual or the emotional and the, the practical or the physical. And I was reading a book by Doug Wilson called A Primer on Worship and Reformation. 
uh, a while ago, and I just wrote down this quote, not even thinking about it, but it says, a Gnostic inhibitor is the teaching that love is a matter of the heart, period. The biblical gospel brings a potent love that begins in the heart and ends at the fingertips. This is an important part of our sanctification. It is not, however, the means of our sanctification, but rather the stuff of our sanctification. That idea that it's not just an emotional feeling. Like you have to put your hand to work, mortify a specific sin, identify, take it step by step, and realize that it's it's not a silver bullet. We're talking with a guy this past weekend that was like, almost wanting the silver bullet and how to fix his family or do something. And it's like, brother, you got to rule yourself. Right. Put to death your sin. Put to death your anger. Put to death your passivity, your judgment, your idea that you are uh, the victim. You're the Mm. one being sinned against. No, you're first and foremost the one that sinned against a holy God. Mm. But praise God that he saved you and reforming you and transforming you. And now he's given you work. And just because the work is hard doesn't mean that you give up yeah it means you press into him all the more and all the more that even what you were talking about like we may not see the fruit we may not see the rain we may not see you know but we're having the farming mentality yeah though um of planting and sowing for the long haul um i did find on our trusted uh cdc website um that boys are basically twice as likely to be diagnosed with ADHD than girls. There so, you go. So that's that's per the CDC. That's not our own C- observation. Right. That's not, which means you know, it's probably flawed. As much as... <laughs> but probably could be, enough. Could be more. Direction. Yeah, it could yeah, be so more. Much as I hate to... So it, it's interesting. I just... When you were talking about doing, right? And I was, I was thinking about James, right? And so be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. So it's... Yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, hear the word, yeah. take it in, and translate that into action. It's, it's. I'm reading through Matthew, and I, Darren's probably get tired of me saying this, but Matthew 7, 24, when Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will yeah, be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Mm. And Jesus before that says, listen, there are going to be many that say, Lord, Lord, and try and do impressive things, cast out demons, prophesy, and do all these things. And Jesus goes, I never knew you. And the reason is because you didn't obey my word. It's Ezra 7.10. Ezra says, hey, it says about Ezra that he determined in his heart to study the word of God, to practice it or obey it, and then then teach its precepts and statutes to all of Israel. Mm. But it begins with, hey, hear the word. You first practice it. Practice what I give you to do. Mm-hmm. And then you can teach other people. But if you're not, but we want to jump so much to, hey, I heard this, now I want to teach. But if you're not practicing you're going to have a great fall. You know, on the other side of this, though, you have what is viewed as manly stuff in maybe the secular world, which mm. is really bad, Yeah. right? <laughs> Drinking, cussing, you know, these types of things are almost... We would say drunkenness. Drunkenness. Because we are reformed. Here. Yeah. <laughs> well, Just okay, drunkenness. Yeah, we, drunkenness. We, we, um, may, uh, we may... You know, exercise our Christian liberty on the show. Here we go. I'm drinking. Gene's <laughs> yeah, yeah. almost there. We might have to take that away but, from him. But no, to, to Gene's yeah. point. I mean, there there's pornography. Yeah, right. I there's, mean, yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah um, women is womanize, womanizing. Yeah, right? women as objects. I mean, mm. yeah, and feminine. So we're talking about feminization. Fem, you know, the um, feminist movement was intentionally created that promiscuity 
plays right into what men struggle with, right? Mm. <laughs> For the most part, right? Yeah. Men pretty universally struggle with that sexual desire. Sexual sin is very, very prominent. And so um, how better to break up the family, to weaken mm. men, um, fill them with all this temptation, right? Women aren't aren't going to be so um, modest anymore. Um, you see it, I mean, it, it's, I don't know, I was just thinking about this. It's, it's, it's kind of frustrating to me, but you, know, you walk into the average church, it looks no different than walking into the mall, mm, wow. right? I mean, really, it doesn't. I mean, you know, yeah. how people are dressed, both men and women, but... but um, well, again, it goes to... Should we be called out to be different, right? We are called to be different, and shouldn't that be reflected in how our our daughters are dressing, how our wives are behaving. Yeah. I mean, that might not be popular to say. Probably got you canceled already here. I think just, the first episode some... got us canceled. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so no one's listening to this we've, anyway. We've That's done, right. you know, run that. Right. But, all right, so we talk about that, mm-hmm. okay? Then what does, what's a man supposed to do? All right? We see the flip side. We see, um, you know, the femininity, femininity in the church. Then how do we counteract that? Then, how how should yeah. a man then? Because I th- I think the ditch is going to all for those who are listening or, and are even familiar with even recent church history, the default is going to be, oh, you guys are Mars Hill. You guys are pushing for Mark Driscoll or style or Doug Will Doug and Jared and yep. what they're doing there. Yeah. The, right? That's gonna be the pushback is gonna be, oh, you guys are chauvinist or whatever. But I think Because that's going to one ex- for, for, for 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 Driscoll, yep. not for Doug. Not for Doug, but for but Driscoll, for Driscoll, Driscoll went was kind of going very abusive right. um preaching and counseling and um we're that's the accusation right now against John MacArthur. Uh, sure. Yeah, you know, so ignored. there, there, there yeah. is there is a ditch, but I think what what does it mean to be a man in the church? I think it's doing what Jesus tells you to do in His Word, right? It's you have to almost have that that relationship, that sphere sovereignty mentality, that there are areas given to you. One, there's your relationship with the Lord. Uh, then there's your relationship with your wife mm. and your kids. Uh, your family's incorporated in that. Then you look at your job then the church and then kind of your neighborhood Mm. and you kind of look, break it down. And that's not even my framework. That's a framework that I've worked through with a book by Greg Gifford called hearts and habits. And he says, what are your responsibilities in each one of those areas? Um, And he says the guiding principle should be one to please and glorify God and then do good to others. Because that's, that's the law, right? That's the moral law. That's what the Ten Commandments are summed up is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. Then love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And that's where your Christian liberty comes into play because then it's like, all right, well, then how do I carry that out? That looks different for me than for Gene. That looks different for um, Darren than for me. Yeah. that's. I think um, I'd recommend to, we, we've thrown his name around a little bit, but I think Doug Wilson's done a lot of great work on this. Um his whole series on the family, you know, from federal husband to reforming marriage, um, becoming men, um, future men, that's a future great men. Yep. Future men was really good. He really gets into it there for, yes. so if you have young sons, um, 
get that book for sure because you do not want to like break that out of them right we don't we don't want to break that spirit that madness that's there yeah right it's about it's, where to it's giving it direction and purpose yeah. for the glory of god but not breaking it out of them yes it's, it's teaching them self-control to rule their spirit as the and preparation for the holy spirit to rule them and yeah and then carrying that out yeah so I, I see that, you know, we, 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 we did talk a little bit, I mentioned last um, episode that, you know, this idea of, you know, doing big things for the kingdom and advancing the kingdom, um, but advancing the kingdom can be done in very small things. You know, loving your wife uh, is advancing the kingdom, right? Uh, discipling your children is advancing the kingdom and embracing this biblical masculinity is advancing the kingdom yeah. because we're going against that culture of, um, you know, removing it of that. You need to, you know, keep this in check and like, you know, try to do your best to just stifle these masculine emotions. Um, but let's face it. There's time and places that you need. The warrior needs to come out and defend. And we need to not be ashamed of that that, we, that yeah. we need to do that. I think maybe more than even being, being the, when you think about defend, maybe a being aggressive, not being aggressive, but being that, being that wall, being that immovable yeah. object, yeah. you know, where, you know, that would be called intolerant in our society, right? Yeah. Um, we all need a little bit more intolerance. No, there's right. And there's wrong. Yeah. It is pretty black and white, except for this red, here, um, right? I mean, so there, there are we, we, we can discern, we can get the truth. There is one source of truth, yes, not anybody's individual truth. And so, when someone's speaking something that's not truth, we should be willing to be intolerant. You don't have to get in their face; you just have to not quote-unquote, make them feel good by accepting or giving the impression that you're affirming their yeah. false belief. That's yeah. not loving. Mm. And if they get offended, you know, you, you, <laughs> what are you going to do about it, right? Yeah. That, I, I think, yeah, I think you hope that they don't get offended, but it's going to be up to God to change their heart and see that you were that you were being loving to them, that you were sharing the truth. And if they're still offended, well, then let them be offended. You know, I, that's yeah, if, kind of the way I feel about if it. If you don't think that we're soft men, and I'm guilty of it too, just let somebody bring an accusation or call you a name or use a... Yeah. And it shuts sure. you down, right? Right, shuts it, you down quick. It shuts you down real quick. But something that I've been meditating on is Jesus, when he faces the governor in Matthew twenty-seven eleven. Now Jesus stood before the governor who said, are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, you say so. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Then Pilate said to him, don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't even answer him on even one charge so that the governor was amazed. Mm. And I think we're so we're so accustomed to kind of defending ourselves and trying to prove ourselves to shut down even the 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 worst accusation. Jesus didn't even answer. Like Jesus, who was perfectly innocent, right standing with God, was blameless, goes, I'm not even entertaining that. I'm not even going to hear that accusation against me. And I think that's the same mindset that we have to have, knowing that the accusations against us often 
the stuff that's true that Satan sometimes uses in our brains to be like, you know who you were before we have to go. I'm not, I'm not going to receive that. Right. So if the son of God who is perfect, doesn't need to answer every accusation, the things we don't need to answer accusations. Mm. We just, we're faithful in the word aware of our sinfulness that anything brought against us is at best, like only half the story. Yeah. Right. But trusting that Jesus is righteous. And I think that's that's where a lot of guys are kind of stuck right now. It's like trying to defend themselves. Not realizing that their strength is used to defend others. Mm. I think we've even gotten to the point where we don't defend ourselves anymore. Like, like n- not from the, uh, not, not in the way that you're describing, mm-hmm. but almost just have given up. Yeah. Right. Um, it's we're just kind of like, I'm wrong. I'm a man. I'm a white man too. I mean, gosh, I mean, you're just like, you're, you're, you're getting knocked down a peg every time you turn around. You're just by the way that you were born, by the way that God made you, mm-hmm. you were made inherently in, in the in wrong. God made a mistake. God made a mistake, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, you know, if you were a woman or you were weaker or you were, some quote unquote minority group or whatever you would you would be better somehow yeah. i don't know i, I don't well, know that, how, how, how we kind of that's, but that's that, how the society is making it so that if you're in certain groups you're made to feel like lesser of a person mm-hmm. and that you don't have a voice correct to and try to squash it and that's the, the play of intersectionality and kind of marxism yeah, and all this all stuff that. that we could get into in a future episode um but I think we're seeing right now the 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 oh, the ditch. We're starting to fall into the ditch where people are overcompensating. Oh, you're saying this about me? Well, then I'm going to double down and be twice as rough and tumble as you say that's yeah. true about. I'm going to just. It's like that old experiment, uh, that psychology experiment, where um, half the students in a college were made guards and other ones were made prisoners, and they found that those put in a in a position of authority became twice as abusive and things like that and the people that were the students i forget the name of the study uh but the students just kind of fell into these roles and i think that's the danger that we're in where you say this about me rather than believing what god said and not refuting it mm. i'm just going to come at you twice as hard and bust you in the mouth about yeah it. yeah and that's wicked and evil and not right yeah well we definitely see that because we see that in the riots of you know if you don't agree with me and i can't beat you with logic then i'll just beat you with force um, or in other things where you see, I'll just shout louder than you. <laughs> if yeah. I can't beat you, know, beat you that way, I'll just shout louder and drown you out. So, um, which is playing sadly at, at homes. Yeah, which starts at the home, right? And so we're just seeing on the the bigger societal scale, what's more than likely happening at home. Yeah, yeah. So we see, you know, for men uh, who are struggling with these. Feeling like maybe they they don't fit fit into this church scene, this church model, um, or some of this thing to you know not first of all don't be ashamed of your masculine feelings, um, you know don't feel like that there's something wrong. Uh, actually, embrace those things. Uh, these are things that God has given you. Um, this masculinity and just. Uh, you know, do the use these for the glory of the Lord. Uh, find ways to um, have the outlets that you need. Um, 
to kind of exercise this masculinity. Um, we, we're going to have to come up with some practical examples. I don't yeah. think I'm coming up with any. But like ex- axe throwing? Actual that kind? <laughs> well, application because I, I, would, I think this is a big struggle because the, like we've been talking about, our whole society is not just the church. So I would say just tangibly, if you're a guy that's gifted at, you like building and construction, I, I've learned... I'm not naturally that way, but my greatest times have been when people are in my church have said, Hey, we're painting our house or we're painting the room and just grab a paintbrush yeah, and get on the floor and yeah. paint the trim and do the stuff that you'll actually find is, is soul edifying. Go to a, a, a cleanup, do something with your hands. If that's your church doesn't offer it, take responsibility and say, you know what? what yeah, I would maybe love that's to something you, you start. That's something that you start to say, Hey, my neighborhood's messy. Who yeah. wants to come through and help pick up trash or go to the school or do something? Be, be looking for yeah. tangible ways. And I think that that's good to look also for organizations even. Um, I mean, a, a couple of examples um, are you know, something that, I've done like a lot of research in and work in is like when you get into human trafficking, sex trafficking, there can be organizations there that you can support and even work with to help get people out of these situations. That's something that's very rewarding. Um, It could be something um, maybe it's political even, you know, we have here, you know, the policy councils that are things that, work to make change in, um, you know, local government, local schools, you know, those are areas that, you know, where we really need people to stand up in. That's something that I think is really, especially, um, uh, overrun, um, by women right now. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's because men aren't stepping up in those areas. So that's something right there where men could get involved in and really make, I think, and see some really tangible change yeah. uh, in those things. So we'd be maybe making it more complicated than it is too. I mean, I think you, you talked about this with the spheres, mm-hmm. right? It really starts with self and home. I mean, yeah. if you got self and home, right. If every Christian man really put their effort into self and home, you don't need, you know, you don't need that much else. Mm-hmm. It made me think of, um, you know, I, I do financial peace stuff, mm-hmm. uh, coaching and, and whatnot. So I think Dave, Dave Ramsey made this comment in one of his videos um, related to government, people looking to the government to support them. And it was like, imagine if every Christian tithed that we could, I mean, he, he had some stats on it. But it's like literally you would, you could put the government out of business. Mm. I mean, we, you could practically have free health care for everybody. You know, I mean, the, the amount of effort, I mean, the amount of um, revenue or money available just through charitable giving like that was huge because I think the stats were something like 3% of Christians in mm. America tithe. Something, something ridiculously low, actually. Wow. Um, it's the same thing. If every Christian man was leading his home well, you wouldn't need to do much of the rest because they'd be leading their their wives and they'd be leading their children. Their children wouldn't be impacted by the school system. You know, so much would change. We could literally change the nation. We could yeah. change the world by doing that. And sometimes we're escaping 
that's the thing that tend, men tend to do, right? We escape into our jobs, we escape into our hobbies, and we're neglecting our family. Um, yeah, just that yeah. Piece, I think that's yeah. good stuff, um, and gives people some. Well, not the just the the final point. I would like to make is I think a lot of guys there's a book written by John Piper called don't waste your life. And it's a, it's a good book, but I think a lot of people have taken that title and used it as an accusation or a quiet fear of like, I'm going to waste my life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That fuels the escapism, which fuels the, Hey, I'm, I feel less than I don't really see my place. But I, if you just focus on what Gene is talking about and what we've talked about, like hearing the words of Christ and acting on them, then you're not going to waste your life. Yeah. You're, you're going to see by faith that when you operate by faith, who knows, God could show you like two, three generations down the road, your great grandchildren, like have that mindset, not just the immediacy of like what's in front of me, but be start to think about your mindset about like, I'm doing this for my kids and my grandkids. I'm going to establish a legacy. I'm going to teach them a pattern and they're going to teach it. And God will honor that. Yeah. It's not it's not always the immediacy in front of you. Sometimes yeah. you have to take a breath and go, be still and know that I am God, Psalm 4610. That's a psalm that's written in the middle of a battle of wartime. And just commit yourself to like, I got to do the hurdle that's in front of me with the expectation that God is going to take care of the fruit. Mm, that's good stuff. Um, I think here we've given a lot of people a lot of things to think about. And uh, for anyone else who needs anything, we're going to put all these things in the description, um, in the show notes, um, these resources that we've talked about, along with some other ones that get into family discipleship, family worship. Um, you know, how do I do that? You know, that can be a very, very weighty and uh, daunting topic. So uh, I want to thank you guys for being here with me again tonight. Awesome. And uh, for everyone watching, Again, the Bearded Baptist is made possible and, and a part of Sovereign Joy Ministries. You can go to SovereignJoy.org uh, to help support us and get some more information there. Um, also, we will be having some uh, links on there that you can kind of give us some feedback on, maybe send us some suggestions for future episodes. Um, but if this has been a blessing, please like, subscribe, follow, um, whatever it is on the particular platform that you happen to watch, tell others about it, uh, because it's only through you guys that this, uh, podcast is available. So, um, we thank you guys again and we will see you next time.